Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Another edition of Believe in Steelers. I'm Mark Bergen, joined by my guy, two-time Super Bowl champion, Pittsburgh Steelers scout, swagging you, Ike Taylor. IT, it's good to see your face this morning. A lot to get to, Steelers and Rams this week. But before we do, we have a special guest on today's show as well. You got to talk about this cornerback signing, Darius Rush, coming over. He was drafted by the Colts. He was with the Kansas City Chiefs, playing on South Carolina, but the Steelers reinforcing their defensive backfield. Yeah, one thing you know about South Carolina kids, them kids are tough. And one thing they love, they love football. So for us to get Darius Rush, um, you know Omar. Omar, his name is Omar Khan. We call him the Khan Artist. And you know he always make a move. So one thing he's trying to get is people to help Pittsburgh Steelers. So it's more depth at the cornerback position. So I'm going to leave it like that, Mark. I hope Khan can work his magic and get a pick back for Desmond King, who will either be released or traded. We'll see if the Steelers can get any value from him. From him. King only playing one defensive snap in a Steelers uniform, so it's not like they were utilizing him. But Ike, really quickly too, my last thought with this is, I think the phrase you used, and I heard Mike Tomlin use this phrase as well, for the types of cornerbacks the Steelers are now getting is the avatar corner, which you have the size and speed. You see it with Joey Porter Jr., Corey Trice Jr., who got injured before the start of the season. I see with Rush, he's like 6'1", 6'2". You're getting size, and it makes it more difficult for uh, an opposing quarterback to throw over the top to try to connect with the receiver. Yeah, give me them Mel Blunts, give me them Rod Wilson's, give me them Ike Taylors. That's all you're basically saying. Give, give, give me them guys who, you know, make the ball when the ball in the air. The quarterback got to pinpoint every time and use the quarterbacks, regardless if they're going through pressure. They ain't, they ain't pinpointing on time. So give me them Ike T's, give me them Mel Blunts, give me them Rod Wilson's, them tall corners over six feet. Um, but if you look at a picture on my Instagram, Mark, mm-hmm. I'm shorter than. Joy Porter Jr. and Mel Blunt. I'm like, man, these dudes really six four and six three for real. So it's it's just that's what the Pittsburgh Steelers trying to go back to in my mind. So we'll see what's we'll see what's going on with that. But at the same time, you know, it it does make it harder for quarterbacks to throw over guys who are over six feet and some change. Um, they got the range. They're lanky. Uh, they can pick off the ball. They can tap the ball. So it's just a good matchup, especially when you're looking at the AFC North and the, and the receivers they got in the AFC North. They're pretty tall and lanky. When you look at T. Higgins, when you look at Jamar Chase, when you look at Coop, all them guys over six feet, 205, 215 plus. So it just makes sense when you're drafting guys who you're trying to cover in your division. Ike, if you feel short, think about us mere mortals. No, I'm saying, I'm saying, I know y'all short. I know you short, Mark. <laughs> But at the same time, I'm talking about in the football world, when you look oh, yeah. at it, the cornerbacks from the Pittsburgh Steelers, man, when you look at my Instagram post, man, we talking about like Mel Blunt and JP Jr. I'm like, man, I'm shorter than both of them, man. I thought I was tall, but obviously, man, y'all making me feel like I'm a midget in the NBA world. <laughs> hey, we're going to bring in today's guest. Before we do, today's episode of Believe in Steelers is brought to you by betonline.ag. They'll take care of all of your NFL gambling needs. We're into NFL Week 5, Ike. Yeah, 365, 24-7, regardless on what sport it is. Make sure y'all go to betonline.ag. 
can see the promo code on your screen right now. That's BLEAV to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Let's bring in today's guest. He is the host of the Believe in Rams podcast here on the Believe Network. We welcome in Jake Ellenbogen. Jake, welcome to the show. How's it going, Mark? Ike, thank you guys for having me. Appreciate Jake, it. We're glad, Thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Anytime. Jake, really quickly, before we get into Steelers-Rams week seven, uh, I see the Kansas banner in your background. My brother is a KU alum. I'm a Missouri guy, a big rival of Kansas. Kansas preseason number one. Uh, I'm going to pretend as if it didn't happen, even though basketball season's less than a month away. (laughs) But uh, we got Steelers-Rams at SoFi Stadium out in L.A. this weekend. And for me, it's really as simple as this. From the Steelers' offensive standpoint, how do you try to slow down Aaron Donald because you can't really stop him? And then on the defensive side of the ball, you got two stud receivers, uh, Cooper Cup and this rookie, Puka Nakua. Uh, He's been terrific as well. To me, it's as simple as that. You can do those two things. You're going to be victorious from the Steelers' standpoint. But what say you? You've been a lot more plugged in about the Rams. Uh, Fill in the blanks. What else am I missing? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think looking at from the Rams perspective, um, I think they can throw on the Steelers. I think they can run on the Steelers. I think the Steelers, the one thing that leads me to believe that they can't win this game, the one thing is that pass rush. Uh, When you have Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt coming off the edge like that, um, it doesn't matter how well Alec Jackson and Rob Havenstein have played. Those guys can make anybody in the league look silly. And Matthew Stafford has to be protected at all costs. And when you have a coach in Sean McVay, who, albeit he's great, uh, tends to get away from the run, only ran four times in the first half. The second half was a different story. And we saw that with Kyron Williams going over 150. Um, you know, the way he abandons the run, you get games like you saw on Monday Night Football against the Bengals. They 100% should have won that game. And they did not because they literally did not run the ball. And at the at that point, it makes it so easy because you're not mitigating the pass rush. So you have guys like Trey Hendrickson coming off the edge. You guys have, you have guys like Sam Hubbard. The Rams can't afford to do that against the Steelers team because they will make you pay. And I mean, I've been watching the Steelers all year long. Um, just watching them, those two guys have saved games single-handedly. It's a team sport. I understand all 53, but those guys have been huge as far as winning games and getting them to where they're at with three wins on the season. And so I think it's really important right now to protect Stafford, but also run the ball. Kyron Williams is not going to play in this game. We actually just found out he's going to be out, you know, a little bit longer than we were hoping. Um, And Ronnie rivers, the backup running back is out. So insert whoever that is, Uh, Zach Evans, the rookie sixth rounder, uh, out of Ole Miss, transfer from TCU. You have, um, you know, veteran Royce Freeman, who they got. Um, you know, he's kind of that short yardage, can come in and pass protection. But what I'm really curious about is how they're going to give the Steelers different looks in that running back room because now you go out and you add guys like Miles Gaskin off the uh, the Vikings practice squad who has that experience in that kind of Sean McVay level offense because of Kevin O'Connell. And then you go out and you get Daryl Henderson, who was their former starter last year, week one, um, and he can be on the field at all times. So you don't know how much those guys are going to play because they weren't on the roster at all this year. But I think that honestly adds to the intrigue and what the the Steelers are going to have to go up against in this one. 
Ike, we've been uh, all over TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith off the edge, but uh, I know that, it, I'll at least speak for myself, there's a mutual respect for Aaron Donald. You always talk about building a house from the ground up from the defensive standpoint. Uh, it starts in the A, a gaps and B gaps, and Donald, regardless of who's lined up across him, how you try to game plan for him, just consistently seems to make plays. I mean, to me, the game's going to really determine of how effective TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith can be, and then what can Aaron Donald do from the Rams standpoint. That, to me, is really the key to this one. What say you, Ike Taylor, though? Nah, you, you know I've been messing with Aaron Donald since he was at Pitt, um, and he playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, so we all was in the same building because we share the same building, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Pittsburgh Panthers. So Aaron Donald, to me, is like Mike Tyson is prime, and everybody used to talk smack um, before they before they got in the ring with Mike Tyson, and that's how I feel about Aaron Donald. So it's like everybody got a plan until we get in the ring, and then your plan just go away because I hit you so hard, and you just forget about life. That's how I feel about <laughs> Aaron Donald. Like, Aaron Donald is a proud Mike Tyson. Um, everybody got a plan. All the offensive coordinators got a plan um, to try to stop Aaron Donald until Aaron Donald gets on the field and offensive coordinators not on the field and the players got to play, they're like, we can't stop Aaron Donald. Just look at last year when Aaron Donald, you know, destroyed the Dallas Cowboys and he had three guys on him trying to stop him. He still got a sack. So that's how I feel about Aaron Donald. Like, he's a right now Hall of Famer. Um, when you look at his work ethic, when you look at his stats, when you look at the way he approached the game, when you look at the way he loves the game, like, we talk about this all the time as coaches. Like, it's the difference between guys who like it and guys who are in love with the game. So you got three, you got three, you got three kind of guys. You got guys who like it, guys who love it, and guys who are in love with the game. Aaron Donald's in love with the game. That's why he's a future Hall of Famer because it's unconditional with him when it comes to what he does off the field, um, how he treats his body, uh, what he does in the off season. And we obviously see what he do during the season. He always up as a talking wise of Defensive player of the year, and that's Aaron Donald. When you ask Tom Brady before he retired, man, who's somebody he don't want to get hit by? He says Aaron Donald. You can pretty much say that for every quarterback. So, yeah, Aaron Donald just Aaron Donald. Like, you can say what you want to say. You can have a player for Aaron Donald, but he's just that guy. I'm a huge fan of Aaron Donald. Now, Sean McVay, I'm a huge fan of Coach Sean McVay as well because I feel like he just had a brilliant mind. They went all in a couple of years ago on winning the Super Bowl. They wind up winning the Super Bowl. Now they're in like a disarray because of the salary cap and the high cap guys they had at the time, but they did what they came to do. You know, when you when you push all your chips into trying to win a Super Bowl and you actually win it, every coach can't say the same thing. So, so between uh, Sean McVan company, they, they did that. So I tip my hat to them off of that. Now they just like, man, we got we really got to uh, rebuild this team. So say, but when you want to talk about somebody, and I'm talking about Coach Sean McVay. When you want to talk about somebody who acts to like give their team a chance because he's that brilliant when it comes down to offensive wise, it's Sean McVay. Now I do agree with you, Jay, when it comes down to running the ball. And as you start to see, like in the seventh week of the uh, of the of the season, like running the ball in high scoring games, and it's it's not no more. So when you get into week number seven. There is no such thing as like high fantasy, high fantasy points. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. the high fantasy points are coming at a minimum. You know, the really, the really true test, true test was the 42 to 10 
San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. But other than that, if you look at last week, you know, the Bills had a tough game. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles wind up getting beat. The San Francisco 49ers wind up getting beat in Cleveland. Like, this is playoff football. And I say it all the time. Once the weather get, once the weather get cold, the game's going to be low scoring. And guess what the weather is doing right now? The weather is getting cold. So everybody know everybody right now. So right now it's a chess, it's a chess match. Now, in week 10, when all the good coaches figure out what all the other good coaches doing, it's going to be like high scoring games. Then when the playoff come, you know, it's all the way low scoring games. But right now, man, we just had a merge in the season where you're not going to see any high scoring games. And that's just how it's always been when you've been a player. Like, you know, through week seven, through week eight, man, game's going to be low score. You know, the first the first four weeks, everybody's just trying to figure out everybody. So, but when it comes down to good head coaches, you got to put Coach Sean McVay um, as in a brilliant mind, as I would say, in them. But I do agree with you, Jay. Like, if you ain't running the ball, you ain't winning no games. You know, just, just look at what the Jets are doing right now. Brees Hall been saying, like, just giving the ball, and everybody thought he was pouting a bit egotistic. But since you've been giving Brees Hall the ball, you've been winning more football games than none. You've been putting your quarterback in good positions. And this is this is burning the clock. You know, the less when you play the Patrick Mahomes, when you play the uh when you play the Sean McVay's, when you play the Kyle Shanahan's, you just want them, you just want to limit them into less possessions. And how you gonna do that? You run the ball. So when you got when you got the Fords, when you got the Kareem Hunts for the Cleveland Browns, you run the ball and it limits your good quarterbacks to less possessions. When you got the Brees Halls, you limit other uh, teams to less possessions. And that's just playoff football. It's boring football. People don't like it. But as a coach, man, you ain't worrying about boring. You worrying about the left-hand column. The left-hand column going to get you paid and everybody, <laughs> and everybody else going to win Super Bowl. So that's just what it is in my mind. Jake, anything you want to piggyback off of there? There's quite a bit. I can I can fill in if you need to, but anything you want to? <laughs> I didn't uh, want to interrupt you, Ike. It was great insight. Yeah, you know, I think it's it's funny because the Rams they absolutely went all in, um, got the Super Bowl. I just think one one thing that a lot of people don't realize is what Raheem Morris is doing with this defense, and you know, I think the the cool thing that we've seen through the first six games of the year for the Rams is that while they've battled adversity and they've lost some, you know, against good teams and you could say, okay, they haven't beaten anybody good except for Seattle week one. Um, you can push back on just about anything that is directed at Raheem Morris because, you know, last year you can't say, well, you know, Raheem and Aaron Donald, because when Raheem didn't have Aaron Donald, he was still making things work. And so then you have, you know, this year and what he's doing, you know, the, the thing before the season was this is going to be 32nd ranked defense. Everyone was talking about what Jamar Chase is going to do and T Higgins and JSN and Lockett and DK. And for the most part, this defense has been pretty locked down in the passing game. They've allowed you to run it a little bit. And if you have a mobile quarterback, like I think Kenny Pickett could have some rushing yards in this game. Um, you know, they've struggled with that to a degree, but I've been impressed without like a true pass rush. I've been so impressed with the secondary and mainly former Steeler cornerback, Akella Witherspoon, who right now is probably the best cornerback in football. Every single week I see he is unbelievable this year. He's unbelievable. 
he the thing about Akello, and you guys know because he was on the team last year and so forth, is that now he's fully healthy, and this guy just fits what Raheem needs in in a corner. Um, he doesn't fit what the Rams normally look for. Okay, and to not you know have Jalen Ramsey anymore to have a guy step in like that be a, a leader in the back end of that secondary. Uh, there was a huge, huge busted coverage play where you have Marquise Brown get over the top and you're thinking, oh, this is a touchdown last week. No, Akello's closing speed is insane. He's also 6'4". He's got incredible length and it makes it incredibly hard to throw over him, um, but it also makes it hard to, you know, normally those longer limb corners, okay, you know, I can throw underneath and I'm good. No, because he can drop underneath and he, you know, he can, he can steal that snatch it out of the air. We saw what he did with Joe Burrow on Monday night football, the one handed crazy interception. This is what he's been the whole year. He has been a true leader in the back end of that secondary. Um, he, I think right now he's in the top three. He was number one coming into last week, but he's top three in uh catch percentage allowed. And he's top three in uh passer rating, uh, when targeted. So this guy's just been on lockdown. Joe Burrow had a three passer rating when targeting him in week three. Um, this is just what he's been. And so when you, you, you know, you take him and you see the way Byron young is playing the rookie third rounder out of Tennessee. Um, he's leading all edge defenders, uh, all rookie edge defenders in pressures. That's more than third overall pick, uh, Will Anderson and, uh, Tuli Tua Pelotu. But in addition to that, he's also 15th in all edge defenders and pressures. And when you have that to couple with the fact that Akello's playing well, you have Aaron Donald, you got Ernest Jones in the middle of that defense, Kobe Turner, uh, somebody that kind of, you know, people forget about as well, late third round pick. Uh, he's first among all rookie interior defensive linemen this year. Um, and he's third in pressures, you know, and I just think right now, Raheem Morris is getting everything he can out of a defense that people basically threw in the trash and said that this team is going to be historically bad. And what we've seen is actually, I think the defense, once again, just like last year, when they kept them in every single game, except for one going into the fourth quarter with an abysmal offense and a lot of injuries this year, even without the, a ton of injuries on the offense, defense has kept them in a lot of games and the defense has been huge and getting stops and, you know, you go back and, you know, you talk about running the ball and, uh, you know, basically controlling the clock. We saw that against the Eagles, you know, again, you know, with the Rams, it's like, if you want to beat the Philadelphia Eagles, you're going to have to run the ball. Those teams want to hemorrhage the clock and they want to limit your possessions. I think the key in this one for the Rams is, you know, get after Kenny Pickett. And you also have to be very mindful of guys like George Pickens, guys like Calvin Austin, uh, Allen Robinson's going to be chomping at the bit against his former team. That's a revenge game. We talk about a Keller Witherspoon revenge game, and he's going to be chomping at the bit. You can't also forget about Allen Robinson, who could be a sneaky play this week. So, um, you know, Friar Muth could also take advantage of a defense that allowed a ton of yards to Dallas Goddard, allowed Drew Ogletree of the Colts to go off against them. Um, so, you know, I think that's something to keep in mind. And then also, I think, you know, to highlight another player that was a former Steeler, I have to mention him. Kevin Dotson has been unbelievable this year. Uh, he took over three weeks ago, and he is by far the best offensive lineman on the team right now. He's number two, according to PFF, in all of 
uh, you know, all the guards in the league and he's number four in all of offensive linemen. So when you have guys like that contributing at that level, it really helps you out, but that's going to be the key. They're going to have to get pressure on Kenny Pickett, make him uncomfortable, get some turnovers, flip the field and let, you know, whatever home field that they do have, <laughs> whatever home crowd they do have, uh, try to get into it a little bit, give them something to cheer about because I'll tell you right now, Steelers, th that fan base with like the greatest fan base in the world. One of them at the very least, they're going to show out. It's going to be a lot of Steelers no fans, doubt. no doubt about it. So that's the thing. There, there's gotta be big momentum swings and give the Rams fans uh, something to cheer about. Try to get them into that. So Jay, you gotta look at it like this. So when you're coming at it from a, a player standpoint, it's two things. Um, and it's a lifeline, it's a shelf life for a player. So Kevin Dotson obviously didn't get it right when he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers. He got it right when he's with the uh, LA Rams right now. As far as like Witherspoon, when you go from Seattle, to, from Seattle you go to Pittsburgh and you hit San Francisco and you hit the LA Rams, you're like, dang, is it me? Or is it other teams? Or how long I'm gonna be in the league? So what other teams been looking for, what you're doing with the LA Rams now, they've been looking for that for the past six years and you finally got it. So when you're talking about Witherspoon, it's like timing is everything. Like, dang, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of us teams, it, it, it hasn't been the athletic ability. It's been the mindset week after week when it comes down to the Dotsons and the Witherspoons. Oh man, can you just compete and be what we want you to be every week for how many amount of years you want to play in the league? So when you bounce around like that as a cornerback, it's like that, he really don't get it. And when a player really gets it, either it's too late or you're out the league, obviously Witherspoon had, you know, enough shelf life and a lot of chances to be like, okay, we're going to take a chance on a 6'4 cornerback. Hopefully he gets it. And Coach Moe got everything he can get out of corner, which other teams been wanting to get out of corner for the past six years on that aspect. Now the Kevin Dotson aspect is like, Bro, all we want you to do is compete. And obviously, um, Pittsburgh didn't work out for him, but now he gets to Coach Sean McVay, and he said on he said during the interview, Coach Sean McVay talks to him differently from Coach Tomlin. It's the same kind of talk. <laughs> it's the same kind of talk. So now your mindset just hit the switch, like either I'm going to play football for a couple of years and have my family straight, or I'm going to be out the league. That's just what it is. Pit Football will always be a young man's sport. Some guys get it sooner than later. Some guys just never get it. And for Witherspoon, it took him a few teams to actually get it, really four teams to get it. For Kevin, it took him two teams to get it. Same kind of culture. So when you talk about these players, I see exactly what you're saying, but at the same time, how fast, do the, how fast does the light switch hit for these players? For me, this, as soon as I got to the NFL, it just hit automatically. I already understood it was a business. Like when you come to the NFL, it's a business. You know, it's 34,000 kids who played between Division One and Two. 34,000, only 259 get drafted. I already knew going into the league, it was a business. Yeah. And I, ain't ha I ain't have the luxury of first, second, third round draft pick. I was a fourth round draft pick, and they considered that they considered me like one of the worst picks ever. For the Pittsburgh Steelers, 12 years later, two Super Bowls later, I'm in the game. So when we talk about these guys, that's why I get upset with a lot of these guys. I'm like, man, y'all getting chance after chance, man. There's 34,000 kids that's playing football between Division One and Division Two 
only 259 get drafted. And then we talking about certain positions. So really the key positions are wide receivers and cornerbacks who have a high percentage of getting drafted. But, you know, I'm one of 24 corners who got drafted. And we yeah. talk about 259. So when you talk about a Witherspoon, when you talk about an offensive lineman and Kevin Dawson, Kevin Dawson went to my college, Lafayette, Louisiana. So when you talk about these two guys, just look at what the coach has always been saying. Like, talent is there. It's always been there. With a light switch ever hit on. So it took Witherspoon four teams for the light switch to cut on. Usually guys don't get them chances. It mm. took Kevin Dawson, Kevin Dawson, the second team for the light switch to hit on. Usually guys don't get them chances. So, and it's it's been it's it's been the same kind of coaching, it's been the same kind of preaching. But when you when you when you look at your window as a player and the window obviously start to close and you understand it's a business, it's like they don't really want to go back home right now. So I took my head off the Witherspoon. He got it. He's doing everything what other teams wanted him to do with Coach Raheem Morris. And the same thing with Kevin Dyson when it comes down to Coach Sean McVay. He's doing everything the Pittsburgh Steelers wanted him to do when he was in Pittsburgh. The light switch just hit on. So when I just be trying to talk, I ain't even talking to you, Jay. I'm, I'm really just trying to talk to the players. Like, <laughs> once you come into yeah. the league, man, y'all got to understand it's a business. You know, like, just just think of the 34,000 and now the 34,000 people who play college football, only 259 get drafted. So when you understand that, and this is going back to what we were talking about earlier, earlier you like it, you love it, or and you in love with it. So you got to be in love with football to understand the totality of everything. And I understood it was a business. And hopefully these guys coming out of college can understand the same thing. With Witherspoon, Ike, I want to ask you, is there a different style of play playing in for the NFC and specifically three of his four teams in the NFC West familiar with that style of play versus playing in Pittsburgh? I don't know if that's a dumb question, but I, I know you were there in training camp as well, and you were in the league for 12 years, so I'd love to get your perspective here. Mark, you should put me on the spot right now. <laughs> so this is how I look at the AFC North. It's bully ball. It's, it's but ain't, ain't, ain't nothing finesse. Please don't give me no Rolls Royce. Don't give me no Ferrari. AFC North is give me a big ass truck with a lot of dirt on it. We're going through the road. That's what the AFC North is. Anything outside the AFC North is when the floods come and you got your Ferrari. When the floods and the hurricanes come and you got your Rolls Royce. You can't drive them when it's when it's three, four feet of water in Florida. You gotta call on the bullets. <laughs> you gotta call on the four doula trucks. You gotta call on the big boys. So you leave that mentality where that mentality is. You feel what I'm saying? So it's a, it's it's just a different mentality. And that's just what it is when it comes to the AFC North, like Steelers, Ravens, you gotta put Cincy. And Cleveland. Now we didn't see what Cleveland been doing. Cleveland haven't gave up the least amount of yards off of a defense than anybody in the league right now. I think like a thousand and one yards total when it comes down to the Cleveland Browns. Obviously, they got to get they they got to get their uh, offense right. But when you come down when when it comes down to bully football, the AFC North is bully football. It's like it's an understanding that we really don't like each other, and that's the understanding. We're going to shake hands on that respectfully, 
we're gonna be cordial about it, but we just to go shake hands on that. And that's that's the only division in my mind when you come down to physicality. Like everybody that we didn't play, everybody you think of the AFC North, all the teams you talk about in the AFC North, the one things other teams say, we gotta be physical. And and usually that's getting outside your body. So whether you're in the AFC West, the, the NFC West, West, other than the, the San Francisco 49ers, so that's why everybody respects the San Francisco 49ers because they play AFC North football. It's bully football. You know, y'all know what play we're going to run. We're going to run counter 22 right, and y'all ain't going to stop us. That's the same mentality we've been having in the AFC North for, for years, since the 70s. So, yeah, it's a certain kind of play we're always looking for. When you talk about the AFC, we just want players who love football. We don't care about the height, size, or speed. We don't care about no 40. Can he play football? Do he love football? That's what the AFC North sends a message to. Now, everybody else, when you want to talk about a GM or their front office, they're going to be like, okay, I want a prototypical corner that looks like this. I want a quarterback that looks like this. I need the offensive lineman that look like this. And sometimes you just reach for it. But when you might get a 6-3 offensive tackle who's just a damn dog in Willie Cologne coming from coming from Rutgers, that's what you deal with. When you get a when you get a Troy Palomalo who's five ten and some change coming from USC, we wind up just getting him in the first round. He's a damn dog. That's what you get. When you get a James Ferrier sitting in the middle with a Larry Foot, both of them ain't running no faster than a four six, but they just damn dogs. That's what you get. When you get a free agent guy in James Debo Harrison, who's gonna be in the Hall of Fame sooner than later. That's what you get when he's five, ten, and some change. So when you just throw all the prototypical stuff out the window, when it comes down to uh, what you think a football player should look like, and actually getting a football player, you're like, dang, that's the AFC North. When you get a Lamar Jackson and you're looking at Lamar like, damn, he's not your prototypical kind of quarterback for the AFC North, but he's just a damn good football player. That's what you get when you talk about Lamar and you talk about everybody who talk about Lamar Jackson from the people in the cafeteria to the janitor and be like, man, he's just a good dude. We treat everybody with respect. That's the AFC North. When you get out the AFC North, man, there's a lot of other stuff that you can deal with. When you go to the Miamis, when you go to Dallas, when you go to the, when you go to Cali, it's like you just get caught up in a lifestyle. And when you talk about Pittsburgh, and when you talk about Baltimore, and you talk about Cleveland, and you talk about Cincinnati, there ain't no lifestyle. It's just normal people who hard work and they bring their lunchbox to work. And it just rubs off over you when you go to them kind of cities. You feel me? So that's, that's what it is for the AFC North. Like we just got lunchbox, family oriented, hard working people. And it's just, we don't know nothing about fancy. We don't know nothing about extravagant. Extravagant to us is taking trips outside of our city. <laughs> That's extravagant. So when you go to the big cities, when you go to the LA's, when you hit the Dallas's, when you hit the Florida's and you see this so-called extravagant life, you just get the reaching. And when you get the reaching, you get the reaching as a GM and as a coaching staff. But when you just sit up north when it's cold in the winter, and when you all you can do is just not do anything but just be around your family and you understand the value of family. And every time I talk about when somebody asks me, do I miss football? I say, no, I miss my brothers. I don't miss football. I miss my brother. I miss the brotherhood. I miss talking to them. I miss the safe haven in the locker room. When you talk about that, like that's what we talk about. 
so yeah, it's a, it's a different kind of style when you talk about getting and drafting guys. Do guys really do? Are they really in love with the sport of football, or do they just like it? Okay, we are like 30 minutes into this podcast, and we have not asked about the Rams quarterback at all. So <laughs> let me ask about Matthew Stafford's play in 2023, considering he's coming off a season where he had injuries. Uh, Jake, what have you seen from the Rams quarterback? We have to ask about this. I can't believe it's got, it's been this long already. It's uh, So he currently has one of the most unfair stat lines I think I've ever seen. Uh, for a quarterback it is it is brutal uh some of the throws he makes uh, not some most of the throws he makes all 22 you're like who the hell's making that and it's just a constant thing uh he actually has the second most drops so his greatest puka nakua has been he's leading the league in drops he dropped a touchdown last week not trying to pile on the rookie fifth rounder too much but you know stafford's dealing with that he had two drop touchdowns uh, last week that could have made that, you know, what 40 to nine against uh, the Cardinals. So, you know, kind of, uh, you know, frustrating for him, although, you know, he stayed true to himself. He hasn't thrown anyone under the bus, but yeah, I mean, he's had one of those seasons where, you know, you look at the turnover worthy plays and you see Desmond Ritter up there within the twenties. And then you see Stafford at the bottom of the league with like three and he's got like five interceptions and you're like, how does this happen? It's been that every bounce seems to go to the other team. Uh, and then the touchdowns they're dropped or, you know, you make it, you have some good play to get yourself in the red area. And the Rams have run the ball with Kyron Williams. Cause he's got a nose for the end zone consistency. And there you have it. So, um, you know, Stafford's been one of the top five quarterbacks in football this year. Uh, you know, the stats don't indicate that the film does. And so when you, you see somebody like that, who can layer it over a defensive back or layer it over a linebacker, um, you know, look guys off, look the safety off, freeze guys. And then just the fact that he's able to just stay in there, you know, stare down the barrel of the shotgun and just throw the ball. Know he's going to take a hit, hold on to it a little bit longer. So he's able to get that big play. Could have taken his check down steady ends up getting that 20, 30 yard play to Cooper Cobb. Puga Nakua 2 2 Atwell. And that's really been what Stafford has been for the Rams this year. Um, a lot of people felt like, first off, coming into the season, I heard nonstop tank for Caleb Williams. Ike, you can say no NFL team is, no NFL team with players, no NFL team with players. The players are not tanking in this league. So right. that's ridiculous. Right. Right. But it was constantly tank for Caleb Williams because people were concerned about Stafford's. Uh, you know, um, spinal cord contusion, which I get. I mean, that sounds scary, right? But he's looked really good uh, coming into the season. He lost some weight. They have kind of a new offense. They kind of built from the ground up, still have a lot of what they did last year, but they're using more, uh, you know, gap scheme runs instead of zone this year. Um, and just they've been getting Stafford out on the move a little bit more. And you could tell, like, he's definitely lighter on his feet. Um, he's the healthiest he's been in years. Um, that was of course before the hip injury, uh, you know, against the Colts, but he, he feels really good. He constantly brings it up. I think he's fully healthy now. I think the hip injury was just kind of like a one week thing. Um, kind of went through that against Philly, but you didn't see any limitations against the Cardinals. 
And just at the end of the day, this guy knows what he needs to do for them to be successful. One thing I will say is I think the amount of shots he takes, he has that Brett Favre, like gunslinger mentality, and he can get himself into trouble because of that. And I think there's been a heavy emphasis and you could see it. He's taken some coverage sacks where there's sometimes where, Hey, I can make this throw. He's cocky armed. Everyone knows it, but he's taken some sacks uh, in the past two weeks where it's a good play because you'd rather take that sack and live to play another down or throw it away than taking that big shot down the field and having that go, you know, the other way and giving a momentum swing to the other team. And so, you know, I think with the way the defense has played, shut out the Cardinals in the second half, um, and they've been lights out for the most part, haven't allowed a ton of touchdowns. They held the Eagles to, what, 24 points. Um, I think the way they've been playing, there's a heavy emphasis on Stafford to, yes, be Stafford, but also be cautious and cognizant of what you're doing with the football. And if you don't need a big play, it's kind of like what coaches are now preaching because of the touchback rule. You know, don't reach out for the the pylon un, unless it's fourth down you know because if you fumble out of the bag of the end zone now they're getting the ball so you got to be careful and it's almost like you got to have some controlled aggression you still want to be aggressive you still want to be mindful hey we got to put points on the board we still got to test the defense and this is a defense that you could throw against as long as you're able to throw the ball before tj watt and alex Highsmith rip it out but at the same time you have to be mindful this is a team that can turn the ball over you know they they can take the ball away um patrick peterson's not having his best year he was insane last year in minnesota i don't think this is just going to continue on like i think at some point it's going to really click he's going to get into a rhythm and you know he's a turnover magnet so those will come in bunches and i just hope it's not in this game and the best way for that not to happen back-to-back game stafford hasn't thrown a pick and has played really good high quality football, controlling the football, not turning the ball over, um, you know, I think is to just keep doing what he's doing and, you know, take what the defense gives you, take some, you know, take some shots, be, be aggressive, but be controlled in your aggression. It's, it's, it's hard as an offensive coordinator when you have a car like a Matthew Stafford <laughs> who has an arm like Brett Favre, it's hard when you have a Matthew Stafford, a Josh Allen, um, and those, and I'm missing, I'm missing, I'm missing my third quarterback. It's 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 just hard when you got that kind of talent to put a leash on them. Oh, so I know. You live and die by them. So every everything we want them to do as a pocket quarterback they can't do as a pocket quarterback because they won us too many games. So they'll win they'll win us more games, even though our coaching might not be on point, than lose us games. So the Matthew Staffords, the Josh Allens, the um I'm missing I'm missing my third one. I just had him in my head. Mahomes? The Mahomes, those those guys, they off script. So when you got guys who are script, they take a lot more chances. And sometimes they hit their streaks on turning the ball over when you take them chances. But Mahomes, two Super Bowls. Matthew Stafford left Detroit, wound up going with a brilliant mind and Sean McVay, won him a Super Bowl. Josh Allen ain't been doing nothing 
but being in the AFC Championship, he just got to get over the hump with Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl. You know, so when you when you look at guys who have that kind of talent at the quarterback position, uh, it's hard to put a leash on them. It's hard. It's hard. They're gonna have their streaks, and these streaks gonna be turnover, turnovers. But at the same time, they're gonna win you. They're gonna out coach you with their arm. They're gonna out coach you with their toughness. They're going to outcoach you with a off script as an offensive coordinator. That's just what those kind of guys do. So when you, have a, when you have a Matthew Stafford who had a Megatron, Megatron Hall of Fame, Matthew Stafford will see if he gets to the Hall of Fame. But when you give a Matthew Stafford for one year, for one year, you give him a Sean McVay and you give him a Cooper Cup. And Cooper Cup ain't nothing but a quarterback playing receiver. That's all he you're did. right about that one. That, he is so intelligent. When you, when, it is crazy. See, I, I tell people all the time, when Coop get done playing, if Sean McVay's still a, a head coach, he will be on his staff. Because I just looked at all for one interview when Cooper Cup was breaking down what the defense was doing. I said, this dude, a quarterback, just playing receiver. <laughs> and then when you see when you see when Sean McVay talks about Cooper Cup, he says. It's me, Matthew Stafford, and Cooper Cup going into the game plan. So all we got to do is just listen to how the head coaches and the players talk. And Mark and I talk about this all the time. But getting back to Matthew Stafford, like Matthew just got everything you want as a quarterback. He got a live arm. He can throw it from one hand to the other. And he's going to take plenty of, plenty of chances. But you put him in the right situation, he's going to win you a Super Bowl off the rip. Patrick Mahomes going to win your Super Bowl or two off the rip. Josh Allen going to win your Super Bowl or two off the rip if he ever get over the Patrick Mahomes, you know, situation. So that's that's just what them three guys do. Them three guys, they come with chances. Like, I'm putting all my chips in. I'm betting everything on me. Either I'm going to hit or I'm not going to hit. And that's, just, and that's just what it is. So when we talk about them three quarterbacks, we saw Matthew Stafford – we saw what Matthew Stafford did with Sean McVay. We see what a uh, we see what Andy Reid did couldn't do until he had Patrick Mahomes. Got to the promised land, just couldn't find no water. And when he got Patrick Mahomes, he got to the promised land again and and found water twice. You feel me? So yes. that's that's what them kind of that's what them kind of quarterbacks do, man. Them quarterbacks are high risk, high reward. They gonna have a streak where they what it where they produce a lot of turnovers, but as a coach, you just deal with it. As a player, you just like, man, they just going through a slump right now, but once they get through their slump, it's going to be hell on the lead. So that's how I look at a, a Matthew Staff, a tough son of a gun. I mean, a man played with a broken thumb. We talking about a spinal injury. A spinal injury, man, we we said everything about Peyton Manning. When Peyton Manning had his neck injury, what the coach did, they let him go. He wound up going to Denver uh, two years later. He wound up winning them Super Bowl. So we go from neck to spinal. We know as players, when you say spinal with Matthew Stafford, that's just going to make him better. That's going to make his reads better. That's going to make him getting out of pocket better. That's going to make him slide instead of trying to run for a first down better. It's going to make everything better. Like once you get injury prone, you just get better cerebral. You just get better. Mm. Peyton Manning always been better cerebral. That's just him. He ain't, he ain't really been no athlete. You, yeah, Peyton Manning ain't fooling nobody. When it comes down to try to run for a first down, Matthew Stafford always has some kind of athletic ability. 
But now he's oh. dealing with them kind of injuries. Man, he still he gonna have a live arm till he's seven years old. His arm gonna always be live. <laughs> it's gonna always be hot. Okay, Matthew, you can't do what you once did as far as like athletic ability. Man, I need your mind. I need your decision making to be better. And he got the right coach for that. So Matthew Stafford, I hate to say it, but it's just like drinking wine. You know, you once you let red wine sit, man, it just get better with age. I let me steal your out. psychic ability here really quickly, right? So. Jake, you were just talking about tank for Caleb Williams, tank for Caleb Williams. Matthew oh. Stafford is 35 years old. Still think he has some gas left in the tank. If the Rams finally have their first round pick and that big dinner tab is due from the Super Bowl win a few seasons back, why don't you just try to protect Stafford's blind side in replacing Andrew Whitworth? I saw you tweeted about this, Chase. Okay, all right. You have have (laughs) Joe Alt out of Notre Dame, who I got to see firsthand in my backyard here in Raleigh, North Carolina, when Notre Dame played NC State. Uh, I saw him play against Duke. So I've seen a lot of him. And then this kid out of Penn State as well. They'll both be first-round picks. It's just a matter of when the Rams end up selecting. But my point being, you protect. Stafford's blind side for however much longer he has left in the league with one of these stud left tackles and you're going to be in business and maybe you reload and that's how you get back to the promised land with one more run with Stafford who he's only 35 it, yeah. and look look I, I know Tom Brady Aaron Rodgers they're the exceptions but the league has done a lot more to protect quarterbacks in the new school of football compared to when Ike played yes yes and, and and that's a hundred percent true. And and I totally agree with you because I, I had this realization. Um, I really like Alaric Jackson, the left tackle. I've talked to him on Twitter, good dude, and he's he's a solid football player. But I, I feel like they need like a true book in left tackle. They need an Orlando pace. When they traded for him in nineteen ninety seven, that was the start of the greatest show on turf. No one knew it, no one had any idea but that was the start of the greatest show on turf because you build from the inside out. So they went out, they got Marshall Falk. They draft Orlando pace. They draft Tory Holt. They had Isaac Bruce from those bad teams. And then you have Kurt Warner who just comes out of nowhere because Rodney Harrison hits Trent green low and ends the season in preseason. And now you have the greatest show on turf, but it started with Orlando pace. I mean, Isaac Bruce was already there, but when you get that left tackle, now anything's possible because now the quarterback doesn't have to worry about their blind side at all. And Kurt Warner said it. He's like, I never worried about my blind side when big 76 was at left tackle and there's no reason to. And so I look at this and I'm like, yeah, I think the Rams would be really smart to just focus on the fact, look, Stafford, I understand it's crazy. People put him in the same you know, category as Big Ben and Phillip Rivers and all those guys. He's not as old as they are. Because they see he's from you know tw- uh, 2009, and they see Sam Bradford was drafted by the Rams in 2010. And they're like, wait a minute, Bradford's been in the league for like three years. How is Stafford this young? Stafford was young when he came in. And so I think 100% to your point, I understand the injuries freaked us out. But now that we've seen what Stafford can do, and he hasn't lost a step, this is a no-brainer. Like, you have that first-round pick. You already are paying, uh, I think it's $75 million this year to players that aren't on the roster. So you can just get right back out there next year. You have $60 million in cap. You got your first, your second, your third-round picks. Yes, I think you should do that. I think you should trade up. I think this team's going to be in the playoffs. 
I don't think they're necessarily going to win the Super Bowl, but hey, wouldn't bet against Stafford if he gets hot. So here's the thing. <clears throat> if they're in like, say, the 20s, like say 21, 22, you trade up, you get, you know, into the top five, top 10, you get at uh, Alter or Fashionu. And I'm telling you, you you have what, you know, Steve Avila, the rookie uh, left guard, they got from TCU in the second round. What he's doing at left guard, impressive. Uh, Coleman Shelton's a solid center. Kevin Dotson, no doubt about it, they're bringing him back after this year. I mean, I think that was the trade all along. That's why they gave up two picks. They wanted to get him long-term. And you got big Rob at right tackle, Rob Havenstein, model of consistency. Then you got your your weapons. Cups locked up. Stafford's locked up. Kyron's in a, on a rookie deal. You know, you got Tyler Higby now locked up, just signed an extension. You got Puka Nakua on a rookie year deal, just was, you know, he's a rookie this year. And then you have Tutu Atwell on a rookie deal. The Rams are cooking. They're, they're, they know what the they're recipe. doing right now. You see the recipe. I no, do. Yeah, you, you look at, I mean, I mean, we could talk about Stafford for a long time. Because <laughs> that's, that's, that's just, that's just how good he is. And it, it, it it's his arm. When your arm that live, and when you've been in the league for that long, and you're you going to have some injuries because you just play quarterback. But at the same time, man, um, when you have a Cooper Cup, when you have a Tuka, um, a young Tuka, when we're talking about, you know, the most targets in the first five games better than anybody else, um, that says a lot about Sean McVay and their front office on what they got going on over there. But it's just hard not to talk about a Matthew Stafford, man, because we always thought Matthew Stafford arm was live. As a player, we always thought, man, it's – it ain't really the OC, and when he when he wind up finding the OC with his arm, it's gonna be trouble, and we saw the trouble. So we look, we always looked at Matthew Stafford how we look at Eli Manning. Man, don't let him get in the playoffs, cause once he get in the playoffs, it's a wrap. You can say what you want to say about Eli during the regular season. You can say what you want to say about Matthew Stafford during the regular season, but when you let them guys get in the playoffs, it's hell on defense coordinator. Yeah, Ike, I think we lost Jake. Uh, we'll work to get him back, but we're just wrapping up here. One thing I want to mention, and we were talking earlier about how Sean McVay and Mike Tomlin, both effective communicators. The Steelers have a 12-4 and record following the bye week during Mike Tomlin's tenure. So he tends to get his teams ready and prepared coming out of the bye week. I can't believe I'm saying this. I think the Steelers are going to take care of business. I think the offense will get help with the return of Deontay Johnson and Pat Fryermuth from the offensive standpoint. And I've got the Steelers winning on the road at SoFi. I think it's going to be tough, but that's how I see this. Uh, that's how I see this playing out. And uh, Jake's just having some technical problems, but Ike, I want to thank him and you for your time this morning. Uh, a lot of similar philosophies, even though you've got. Team with the Rams all the way out in L.A. and then our beloved Pittsburgh Steelers. Man, Jake was very insightful. We gotta, we gotta get, we gotta get the young Jake back on the show for real. I uh, appreciate, appreciate him coming on. But yeah, man, it's gonna be good between the uh, L.A. Rams and the Pittsburgh Steelers. But Jake, whenever you got time, man, come back to the show. Mark, you know you're always rocking. Absolutely. And you can check him out on the Believe in Rams podcast here, part of the Believe Network. Ike, I want to thank you, our guest, Jake Ellen Bogan, and uh, check out all the other content on the Believe Network as well. But 
If you're watching here on YouTube, please tap that subscribe button. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, five stars and five stars only. Man, make sure y'all tune in to Mark and I don't believe it's still this podcast. Make sure you subscribe. Give us a five-star rating. Want to thank betonline.ag for always rocking with us since day one. Want to thank Jake for coming on the show and being very insightful on what he thinks for the LA Rams. Obviously, he's been watching a lot of tape. Want to thank Mark Berger, too, my dog, my brother, for rocking with me, too, as well. For Ike Taylor, I'm Mark Bergen. Thank you so much for watching the Believe in Steelers show. We will be back next week to recap Steelers and Rams. Until then, take care and so long, everybody. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.